matter the sin, there's only one answer, solution to it. It's the blood of Jesus, right? Right. Um, the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So no matter what degree, to what degree somebody has gone into sin, the answer is the same. It's Jesus is presented as the answer uh, for all of our sin. You are listening to Captivate and Conform, a podcast of Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church, where we seek to have conversations that captivate every thought and conform every affection to the beauty and lordship of Jesus Christ. On today's episode, Pastor Chris and Pastor Jason, along with special guest Pastor Jess Miller, wrap up their conversation from last week on the degrees of sin. On the previous episode, they walk through passages in Scripture that indicated a hierarchy to sin, including Jesus' own words to Pilate, that he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. How should this truth affect our view of sin in our own personal walk with the Lord? And how should the church act in light of this? And finally, why is the gospel still the only solution? Well, let's let's uh, we've kind of touched on this idea of there's a greater eternal judgment coming. Let's let's talk about consequences in this life. Um, my my mind jumps to Romans one, and Jess, you're you're preaching through Romans, and my guess is you went through Romans one eighteen through thirty two a little while ago yet, right? Right. Yes, a little while ago. A little while ago. <laughs> it's been as, a great while ago. It seems as, like. <laughs> as, as as we joke with Jason, who's in Matthew seven. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to twenty four in about five years. So, right. Exactly. So, but uh, Jess, can you maybe unpack? Because I've heard you teach on this before. Um, this idea of you can see, quote, more severe sin or rebellion in Romans 1 and God's right. wrath being revealed against that in a greater way in this yeah. life. Right. Because his wrath, the wrath of God is being revealed, it says, from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So there's it's not right there. Right. And it's not as though the, what he's not teaching in Romans 1 that we're seeing fire from the sky rain down on people. The, the idea is we see it in the fact that God has given the uh, human beings up to what they want. And it's basically sin and stuff. They don't want God. And so there's a progression that you can see and trace out in any society ultimately. But interestingly, the United States specifically, where there was this knowledge of God as creator and there was giving uh, glory to him and, and that. And yet, they reject that knowledge in their own unrighteousness. So he gives them up and uh, they become idolatrous and, and uh, turn against him. But then in verses 26 and 27 is where it talks about specifically the issue of homosexuality, Mm -hmm. that you can see that God gave them up to these dishonorable passions and uh, the women exchanged the natural relations, the men did the same, et cetera. But the whole idea is you can look at a culture and say, wow, that's bad. Uh, they, you see sin or what have you, but it can com- progress. The, the sinfulness of a culture can com- uh, progress to the point where you're seeing things like homosexuality. And now you've seen it get even worse than it was. Mm. So the idea of d- degrees of sin here is uh, sin leads to more sin. God gives over the culture more and more to their own unrighteousness. And you can ex- see that expressed in something like homosexuality. And I know for some that that's very offensive. We lost a family a number of years ago 
on this issue because what I showed in Romans 1 was he's using homosexuality as an example of a debased culture that's mm. been turned over uh, to their own sinfulness because homosexuality, and we could add now transgenderism, is worse, okay, or to a greater degree uh, of sinfulness than let than standard sexual immorality between a man and woman, because you're not only violating God's moral law, now you are you are violating God's natural law. So right. there was that progression, and so um, that right there kind of shows us, in my opinion, uh, there are degrees of sin, and of course, some people take offense to that because they they hear me saying you know, well, a homosexual is a worse sinner than a, than a heterosexual. And, uh, and they feel that the homosexual community will, you know, think that the church hates them or whatever it is. But we have to be honest and say, that is of a worse nature, sin-wise, than of natural immorality, though both are horrible and worthy of eternal damnation. That makes sense? Yeah. Do you, do you think, that this is uh, necessary to bring up an evangelism to somebody who is participating in in homosexual sin, or do you think? No, but I I don't think specifically to... as much as we're fleshing out is. But right. if we think about it, uh, having this information as a Christian and understanding uh, degrees of sin, I think it is very important to bring out so that we're not diminishing sin. If right. the goal in evangelism is that the spirit is going to convict this person so that they will turn to Christ, right? We don't want to alleviate uh, sinfulness or somehow make them feel like they're not as sinful as they are. That's the good news they're looking for, but that's not the good news they need. They need the condemnation. And so we don't want to diminish that. I'm not, I'm not saying that you'd say that in every conversation with a homosexual, but you don't want to make it as though that's not as bad as it is because right. it is really bad mm. uh, on a number of levels. And um, it's actually a, a cultural destroying sin. Right. Um, we can see that even historically in, in society's past, but it's, it's a culturally destroy, uh, destroyable sin. Um, it's, it's, it's to a, a greater degree than than other sins. I think the Bible even calls an abomination. That's right. In both testaments. That's right. Yeah, yes. that's, I appreciate that, brother Jess. I remember my last job before I became a pastor was at a, in a college setting, missions office, and my office mate was a homosexual, and I was really wrestling with how to present the gospel to him, and and I kind of I didn't minimize sin, but I told him that. You are a sinner before God as a homosexual, and I was a sinner before God as, as committing heterosexual sin before I was married. And both are sins, kind of on the level as we were talking earlier, and we both mm-hmm. need a Savior. But it's so important to help people understand that, that the wrath of God is on you. It is on you for whatever sin it is. But homosexual sin, I mean— that Romans one passage is very, very clear. And I think it trickles down. Even I read this list that follows homosexual sin mm-hmm. I mean, homosexuality is a clear indicator that he's handed folks over to feudal thinking, but would, would you brothers say it's worse? Even these things, murder, strife, mm-hmm. malice, gossip, all that stuff. Yes. Um, as you see a, a nation that is handed Inventors over. Inventors of evil. Hmm? Inventors of evil. 
inventors coming up with new ways to rebel against God. And though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them, which is exactly where where our society is. And to to just thank our brother for pointing that out, in the sermon last Sunday, I mentioned how oftentimes we soften sin, but my mentor in many ways, Martin Lloyd-Jones, I loved when he said, I think it was preachers and preaching, he said, I have to convince my people every Sunday that they are wicked sinners. They are not good right. people who occasionally do bad things. Yeah. Because when you preach that kind of gospel, they're not going to cry out for a savior. Right. That's right. So Romans 1 makes it clear, I think, for a society at large, the culture at large, because you see this this digression, if you will, this this downward movement of uh, they have exchanged the immortal God for mortal things, birds, uh, creeping things, etc. And so God gave them up to the to impurity among themselves, the dishonoring of their bodies, which I would take is probably just heterosexual uh, immorality. And then, and then he says, therefore, because they did that, mm. God gave them up to homosexual sin. Yeah. And then right. because they're doing that, I think this is what we're about to see big time in our society, and we're already seeing it, mm-hmm. outer chaos is coming. That's right. Um, That's and, right. Which is terrifying as as, as a citizen, uh, to really be is. to be quite sure. frank. But then I also want to highlight uh, specific individual sins in our lives. First Corinthians six, twelve through twenty. Jason, you've pointed out this in our discussions that uh, when Paul talks about any sort of sexual sin, which is unlike other sins because it has unique consequences to it. Yeah, there's just. I mean, not even just First Corinthians 6, but other times when I read about sexual sin that is actually committed in the Bible, it just seems to be on another level. Mm-hmm. And especially brought out, I think, in First Corinthians 6. I would encourage our readers to, to go there and read it. But Paul says things like this, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So flee from this. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So there's a greater level of consequence. And also, a, it almost seems like a just a slandering of our Lord Jesus because you're one with him. And, right. and you're combining yourself and him with another prostitute in a physical act that is against him right. and, his, and his ways. So... Do you think, guys, it's fair to say? Because because I'm sitting here going like, man, it, it it really is true that you know, lusting in my heart or you know, cheating a little on my taxes, that's not the same thing as adultery with a woman or with a man or uh, robbing a bank, right? As far as what we're talking about, consequences, the gravitas, if if you will. But is it fair to say the reason why? Well, there's two reasons why we treat every sin, including the lust of the heart and fudging a little bit on your taxes as wicked and something to be repentant of. One, because it offends a holy God and it's damnable and Christ died for it. But two, because if we don't kill that sin, it will grow into these greater sins. What? Because I think- I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, here, I'm I, I'm setting you. Go ahead, spike it. <laughs> spike it. Oh, this was the set. <laughs> this is the set. Thing. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm raising um, hands to you. home, brother. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was just going to bounce it back up there and let you take it, Jason. So bring it home. 
No, so I think, yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And and we also, we don't want to communicate as we're showing degrees of sin. Again, we don't want to produce Pharisees who then are saying, well, I'm glad I'm not a homosexual. Mm. So then I'm not as bad as I could or whatever it is. So we don't also want to diminish in, in this discussion. And I hope we haven't done that. I don't think so. We're, we're putting all sin on the same playing field on one hand, but we're just showing that there are different degrees of sin. And we need to do that for practical outworkings of things like you mentioned First Corinthians, church discipline. Paul said, you know, you have somebody there who's committing sexual immorality and it's so bad. Yeah. It's it's to such a degree. It's not even like the world commits sexual immorality. He, <laughs> yeah. you know, he has his father's wife. And so we need to be able as the church uh, to work through degrees of sin because we will respond differently based on what is done uh you know if you think about in in the the realm of pastoral ministry if if somebody found out i i lost my temper last night and punched a hole in my wall that's different than if somebody found out i was having an affair an extramarital affair i mean the church is going to respond differently to that one would probably maybe get me into some counseling so i could learn, you know, uh, to uh, practice self-control with my anger. The other would probably, it would move me from ministry. So just using that as an example, we need to be able to think through these things and we need to be able to, to respond appropriately in particular situations. Well, what, well, what you just said is perfectly illustrated by putting Matthew 18 and 1 Corinthians 5 alongside of each other. Matthew yeah. 18 says, if, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. And right. if he doesn't hear you, take another or two or three more. If he doesn't hear them, tell it to the church. If he doesn't hear the church, he's to be to you as a tax collector and a sinner. You put him out. Matthew, right. First Corinthians 5 says, hey, church, you're tolerating a man who has his father's wife. Kick him out now. Yeah, right. right. This is right. Yeah. This is of a greater uh, significance, this sin right. in the life of the church, which shows us that not all sin requires the same action by the local church, at least not right away. And I would also say this leads to going outside the local church that not all sin requires the same punishment by uh, the authorities in this life. Right. I, yeah. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Like with the establishment of the civil government, uh, you have in Genesis 9, 6, the only sin that God says is at that point punishable by death yeah. is death, murder, intentional murder right. of, of somebody. And so not, not even God in his consequences, both in uh, the law for mankind in the Noahic covenant, but then even in the Mosaic Covenant, you have high-handed sins, you have um, unintentional sins, and those could be atoned for. You had different degrees of consequences in the Mosaic Covenant built in by God himself. Yeah, and I think if you think about the society at large in Romans 13 or 1 Peter 2 and instituting the governing authorities, I mean, he uses that language bearing the sword. And anytime you see the sword used in the Old Testament, it was for things like murder and adultery and and those kinds of things. So you have, you know, it's a greater effect um, against mankind right? that brings a greater degree of, of punishment. And so I think it's this requires a good biblical theology. Would you agree, guys, as you're trying to put all this together in your mind, you have to know the whole council. Yes, to be able to discern between these things. Yeah, so One thing I would add is this, and I don't know if you were going to go here, Chris, but um, it struck me as I was thinking about this, There, no matter the sin, 
there's only one answer solution to it. It's the blood of Jesus, right? Right. Um, the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So no matter what degree to what degree somebody has gone into sin, the answer is the same. It's Jesus is presented as the answer uh, for all of our sin. Yeah. When I, have taught on homosexuality. And I, I just did the other night at a local youth group that asked me to come in and <laughs> teach on that subject. So, um, I, I usually show, I, I have two, I have slides that basically have statements about homosexuality and what the Bible says about it. And one of them I say is it is, it is put against other sins as a more degrading sin, a, a, a sin that is further down the road of rebellion against God's order and God's design. And I illustrate that with Romans one, which we, which we've already done. But then I say it is not outside the saving grace of God. And it is also put in a list and actually several lists in the new Testament alongside many other sins. When Paul says, do you not know in first Corinthians six, nine, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men and women who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. There is no sin outside of his reach, none, right. none whatsoever. Amen. And that is the greatest news in all the world. Yeah, amen. And I do want to reiterate what you brothers said earlier, you know, talking to our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're not saying to be a Pharisee and, you know, just care about the outward greater sins or whatever. Jesus tells us to make war with the, with the sins in our heart, the temptations that come, um, to put it to death. And the Apostle Paul is clear in Romans 8, be led by the spirit. If you're full of the spirit, you're going to be putting the deeds of the flesh to death. But that goes all the way back to the desires that James talks about. Yes. You know, that we got to, we got to go after it. Got to do war because that will, I think you said it earlier. If we let that go at that level, that's only going to morph into the outward sins and, and more of it. Right. Well, let's, let's kind of maybe shift gears into, you know, some of the practicalities of this, which you brothers have already alluded to a lot of that, but uh, just to maybe focus on that you know, intensely. Why is this important? To Jason's point, not so that we can be Pharisees and think we're better than other people. Not at all. I think one of the reasons this is so important is because apart from, you know, having an understanding of of different degrees of sin, we can't do justice well, and we can't promise people who have been um, hurt and 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 been uh, wronged justice in the future by God, like. If everyone receives the same punishment in hell, what good does that do to the woman you're counseling who's been raped? That's right. Yeah. What What good? And, does, and if you yeah. if you put all sins on the same level, the to the same degree, what is that communicating to that victim? Right. Because we haven't we we haven't really touched on that fact that uh, sins sometimes are uh, to a greater degree because of the impact they have on others around them. Correct. Yeah. Moving all the way up to murder. Yeah. So you compare the rapist to the one who was raped. Right. Right. Would it be fair to deal out the same level of punishment? 
even just thinking about, you know, as a parent and what I want to keep my children from doing and, mm-hmm. and the consequences yeah. on society, yeah. you know, and, and on fellow image bearers that, you know, I, I highly doubt there's a lot of um, men and women in counseling today because one kid told them to shut up one time, right? When they were, when they were young. But there's a lot of people in counseling because atrocities have been done to them in their childhood yeah. and in their experiences that we would say are worse than somebody calling them a name. That doesn't mean I, I was called names and I still wrestle with that today. So I'm not trying to diminish that either. Mm-hmm. But my point is that there is a greater trauma, if you will, caused by greater levels of sin against yeah. other people. Yeah. And it just made me think, too, You think about what happened to our Lord mm. and how he um, suffered Know, the worst injustice ever in the history of mankind, but he left judgment to God. So is that judgment going to be the same across the board for hmm. every single sinner and the sins that they've committed? I don't think so. I just don't think so. To go back to that example of, of you know, how you deal with disciplining your children with different degrees and levels of, of punishment, but also the rapist and also the one who was raped. Right. Well, yeah, which leads to the thing of parenting. Like you, you really can't parent your children fairly unless you have a proper view of this. Like if if it was the same consequence for every offense, <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's not very fair, is Go it? Go to your room. If that's all it is. I mean, Jess is actually a uh, grandfather, and all, all of his three kids are out. Jason's got uh, one who's not out, but graduated, She's and still at home. Yeah, and, and uh, but he's got also. Uh, Seven-year-old. Seven-year-old. Yeah. Yep. So seven to 19, right? Yep, yep. Of, I certainly five. don't discipline them the same, that's no, for sure. No, <laughs> no. So it's just important. And then even think about your workplace, right? Like, should every offense be written up or be a fireable offense? No, we all understand and practice, you know, what this is about. And I also think that going back to the conversation earlier, that this applies to society as a whole, right? That uh, that we we look at society and we say, Okay, we should uphold good morality, and but you know we're not going to be able to police, and it's not the state's job to police what goes on in everyone's bedroom, right? However, if we endorse as a society calling mm-hmm. things marriage that are not marriage, that has a greater impact on endorsing sin and a greater in, you know influence on the on society on society Large, and so immense. that has to do with what we think is valuable in politics so this this has a lot of of um you know implications practical application for sure yeah mm-hmm. and uh i know lauren shared with me when we discussed it uh with his hoarse voice that he had he was sharing an article from rc sproul and this has to this also applies to how we fight sin in our own life he said a man in his church said well i've already lusted after a woman i might as well just mm. Mm. Do the adultery, right? Mm. Mm. <laughs> did he take him behind the woodshed? <laughs> I don't know if he did. I don't know. Uh, hey, uh, Jess and Jason, you guys are both lead pastors, been at this uh, much longer than, than I have. What What would you say to that brother? I would say that's that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Very good I, theological I answer. I'm not even getting my Bible out right now. <laughs> You're lucky. I say you're lucky. I don't go Nehemiah on you right now and start pulling out your hair and hitting uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or if I had my Bible, I'd just whack him over the head. With. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, not even. Yeah, I, I think what I would do is pull out my phone 
and dial either her father or her husband's number. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you say that to him? If you think there's not much of a difference, right? You know, right. yeah, right. because what you know what, what's interesting in that is you know if you read Proverbs five through seven, obviously all the Bible condemns lust, and so does Proverbs. Sure, but what Proverbs really condemns is being seduced, seduced and, and taken in, following yep. that woman That's with right. smooth words and following her down to the pit of hell. Amen. Yeah. So yeah, and that was just that's totally foolish. Yeah. Well, uh, Jess, we thank you so much for joining us today and making time uh, in your in your busy my, schedule. Of yeah, all your- well, my privilege and pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, Lauren, want to thank you for being our behind-the-scenes producer today and look forward to uh, you coming back on the podcast in full swing. And it's glad that we're all together again. We want to uh, take the time to refer a resource to you. Uh, it, it's, a, it, it's an article through Southern Equip. Uh, it's um, Are There Degrees of Sin by Stephen Wellam? And we use this article to kind of pull some of these questions or these ideas out. So it was a helpful resource to us and we trust it'll be a helpful resource to you. We'll make sure that's in the show notes for you. So again, we want to thank you. You have been listening to Captivate and Conform. If you have any questions or comments for us, or if you want to get connected with our church, please email us at podcast at cedarcrest.church. Thank you for listening. Until our next conversation, we pray you are continually captivated by and conform to the likeness of Christ. Thank you.